I'm unapologetically fly. I don't wonder why. That's just my attitude. Yeah. Okay, hey, that's just my. Uh, 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 come on. Hi guys, welcome to Glitching the Code here on Iconic.com and you'll be watching us on YouTube, BitChute and listen to this on Spotify and iTunes. I'm here with a very special guest. I'm really pleased that he's managed to come on and take some of his time. He's a busy man. His name is Craig Sawyer. He's the founder of Vets for Child Rescue. And if you've seen the, the incredible documentary, and it's coming from a filmmaker myself, Contraland, you'll know who he is. He's a former Marine, Navy SEAL in Team 6. Um, I've been reading a lot about the, Na the Navy SEALs lately because I've just read David Goggins' book and it's fascinating, that sort of life as well. But David, you end, um, sorry, uh, Craig, you ended up doing this sort of work. What led you into making this film, um, the background? I know you had, a, had an incident with your own family that kind of led to this film, which is quite away from what you were doing before. Yeah, well, I was, you know, I was in the, the Marine Corps SEAL team and all that, filming television, and then I started learning I'd actually done some counter poaching work over in Africa, South Africa. And that's kind of where I got the idea of using media to expose something that's so very wrong and harmful. And when I started learning about child trafficking in the United States from friends of mine, I, I started just wondering how it got so pervasive. How does a, a problem, a destructive problem like that, grow so pervasive without the general populace? knowing about it. How does this happen right under our noses? How does something like this grow so big? And I realized that the, the crooks, the child traffickers, had to have a lot of top cover. They have to enjoy a, a lot of, of people running interference for them to keep the secrecy. Otherwise, people are pretty savvy about figuring out what's a threat to them and, and defending each other against it. Like if there's a, a rabid wolf in the neighborhood or something people are going to start letting each other know oh hey by the way look out there's this you know problem right it's a threat to us all and so why is this so secretive and that's where i realized coming from a covert background in counterterrorism and even in the intelligence community i realized that the worst thing that could happen to a covert operation which i realized child trafficking in the united states was it was a domestic covert operation and it was big and 38 to 50 billion dollars is a giant ginormous we would say criminal enterprise i mean in the united states that's bigger than all of our major pro sports combined so what what level of deprivation and and harm has to happen to children for it to generate that much revenue and I just got sickened by it. I got my heart broken by it, and I got angry. And I realized that exposing it was the best thing that I could do. So that's really what drove me to making the, the film. I, I wasn't uh, a film producer. I was just a busted-up veteran and father with a broken heart for children and a will to do something about it. And I, I realized that exposing it was going to be the biggest thing that I could do because alerting 320 million fellow Americans to all stand up and say, oh, heck no, was going to be the biggest strategic response that I could, I could bring against this, this harm. And so that's what I set out to do. And at first, a few of my uh, friends in the film and television industry shined me on, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do this. It'll be great. <clears throat> Two or three years went by, and I was just, I felt such a sense of urgency I started trying to 
crowdfund it and do it myself and just hire a producer to produce it. And uh, I didn't realize I was already a producer. I wasn't, I didn't go to film school and I wasn't very savvy on a lot of the things that you would learn in a technical film school, but I was used to gaining assets, locations and, and, personnel and equipment to put together different productions that I've been a part of. So I was already, you know, an, an executive producer in that sense, because I, I was getting locations for major film and television productions and bringing in weapons and vehicles. And man, I'm, cause I'm pretty well connected, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, anything special, but I, I've met a lot of people and I've worn a lot of different hats over the years, so to speak, different professions. So I was using all these connections. So I started to try to, Crowdfund it. Well, all of the crowdfunding platforms began actively undermining my ability to just crowdfund to do this film. And looking back on it now, I, I knew that it was going to be a hostile environment, but I didn't realize how far we call it the swamp that the corruption really goes. And all of big tech is is just soaking in it. So they were undermining and preventing me from crowdfunding. And I realized through some of my friends telling me, Craig, you're going to have to found a nonprofit organization. You're going to have to start once just so that you can rally the money because big tech's not having it. They're not going to allow you to use their platforms to crowdfund this film. Whereas other people are crowdfunding all kinds of films yeah. about anything you want. If I, you know, if I was filming one, I suppose that, that it's really cool to rape children. They were probably allowed me to do that. But, uh, you know, saying that it's wrong and harmful to rape and murder and torture children and sell them. I guess they didn't want me saying that. So I founded Veterans for Child Rescue, put in the paperwork and committed to this. And I'm like, it's on. We're going to do this. And that's when our, our daughter got abducted and raped repeatedly throughout the night. It was traumatizing. It was an attack on our family. It was an attack on their, our mission, and um, we rallied around our daughter. We we uh, loved on her, and she fought back. And long story short, she got her attacker put away for 68 years in prison and guilty on all accounts, and even the aggravated accounts. Uh, guilty, 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 because she provided such accurate testimony that was backed up by all the, the evidence, all the experts that came in with the forensic evidence and the DNA and the video and all that backed up exactly what she described. So she did a fantastic job. And, and um, it took two and a half years for them to bring her attacker to trial. Speaking of corruption, man, the court system kept, allow, kept allowing this serial rapist with a arm-long list, a lifelong history of crime, they kept allowing him to fire his public defenders, which would each time delay the trial. So it took two and a half years just to bring him to trial. And each time that they would allow him to fire his public defender and delay the trial, it would re-traumatize our daughter because she yeah. felt like the system wasn't working for her. And it got to where we weren't even telling her. You know, after the first three or four times, we realized she doesn't need to know that the system's failing her yet again and again and again. And so one of her counselors mentioned to my wife that uh, it would be good for Aspen to be able to fight back in some sort of way with our organization. 
and maybe she should be a junior decoy agent. And we used junior decoy agents that were about her age. And she was petite, she looked young, and uh, she wanted to serve as a junior decoy agent. I just thought that was the most ridiculous idea because she was my precious little baby bird and she wasn't gonna go anywhere near yeah. predators or what our, our operations with when we wear body armor and all this and, and harmful, dangerous situations, she was never gonna go anywhere near that. But she challenged me on it. She said, Papa, are, are the girls that you're using better than me? Are they smarter than me? And I thought, well, no, you're pretty smart. And she goes, I'm a trained actress. You've seen me in plays. I'm like, you're, you're a good little actress. And she said, well, I'm brave and I need to fight back. And all my team and my wife and everybody was telling me I should let her do it. And finally, I decided that um, after she told me she was gonna do it with or without me, <laughs> was really the deciding factor that I said, okay, well, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it with your papa. You're gonna do it right under my wing, baby girl, where I can make sure you're safe. So let's go do this, let's go get some bad guys. And boy, she did. And um, she served very professionally and was very effective at it. And we put away nine predators on a three-day operation that she was a part of. So she had a key role in that. They were coming for her and, uh, and another girl, but uh, she was right in the mix and she was having to do quite a bit uh, to, to interact. And anyway, um, she saw that the system could work for her if she worked the system, like mm -hmm. if she took action. So her taking action and fighting back and seeing predators handcuffed right in front of her and seeing them wilt from this predator and, and kind of morph into this prisoner entity instead of this powerful predator was really empowering for her to see the impact that she could have, the change that she could bring for good. And knowing that every one of them on average are guilty of raping 70 children throughout their lifetimes, child predators in general, that felt pretty good to, for her to know that she was able to participate, be part of the problem. So uh, that happened uh, right as we put our, you know, after we'd put our paperwork in to found the organization. And then uh, within 30 days, we'd gotten the paperwork back that uh, it was official. And we're like, okay, this fight is on evil, you've messed with the wrong family because now you've never seen fighters until you ran across the Sawyer, the Sawyer crew. So we began and it uh, it was on and that's that's when we started running operations and um, you know, the rest is history. It took us three years filming Contraland to alert the populace. We were bringing in experts that really had a command of the, the topic. And by the way, all those experts you see are on our board and um, I've grown to be close personal friends with all of them. I respect and appreciate all of them tremendously. So we're blessed to have quality people overseeing our organization and operations. And uh, that's that's been kind of the ride. So after we we brought Contraland to market, uh, and then we started hiring more and more investigators, analysts, and getting technology offered to us by a very powerful group of uh, technologists that create a lot of the technology that run our Department of Defense and intelligence community. And we're gonna get a lot of that technology before our government even gets it. 
And because in the United States, we, we've got a problem with corruption. A lot of our um, national defense secrets get uh, leaked straight to China. So we've got that big of a problem here. So these people are not wanting for our, our most powerful intellectual property to be used by our enemies against us. So they're withholding it until we can patch our leaks in our national security boat. But meanwhile, they're sharing it with Vets for Child Rescue because they, they know what we're doing with it, and they like that. So technically, we've got newer and more powerful technology than the NSA, the CIA, or the FBI, or any of our other federal agencies because just the dynamic of the, the current situation, not because, you know, how cool I am or anything like that. It's just that, you know, I found an organization that's acting in good faith and doing things that help the American people. And these people are, are geniuses and they're, they're empowering us with a lot of technology. It's really allowing us to ramp up our, our operations. So it's, um, it's humbling to be honest with you, Richard, right now it's, uh, just to be a busted up veteran and a father trying to, do, to make a difference to have all this horsepower lining up behind me and saying, Hey Craig, we, you know, anything you need, that's, that's humbling. So it just causes me pause to give thanks and be careful with it and diligent and just do it right. So that, you know, at the end of my life, when my eyes closed for the last time, I can look back on it and be proud of going, yeah, that went well, you did good. You know, you can feel good about that. So that's what yeah, I was going to ask you. Did, you. did you, um, was there part of you that come out of the, the armed forces, a former, obviously former Marine Navy SEAL to serve and protect? You were kind of maybe subconsciously thinking, who can I protect next? There's an element of you that has to feel like it wants to feel like they're protecting people. Almost like I have the same thing. I do this through, through this, but I don't like bullies. I don't like people to be taken advantage of is my big thing. And yeah, do you feel well, like that's something that you had subconsciously just moved on to another project, another mission? I do. My father was a was a pastor and spiritual leader. He's a genuinely good soul. And I watched him help people throughout his lifetime. And that always inspired me. It was a beautiful experience watching him and people when I would come home from the SEAL team, I would take my parents out to eat somewhere and I couldn't take them anywhere without people coming up and hugging on him and begging him to remember stories of how he changed their family's lives and helped them in all different kinds of scenarios. And I thought my, to myself, my God, how much of that must he have done over the decades before he can't go anywhere without people coming up and hugging on him for the things that he had done for them personally. So there was that, but there's also the, the, uh, the hardcore pie pit and warrior to, that's wired to kick the pants out of the bad guys, the, the, the bullies, the threats. Uh, to, if, if I don't show me a boogeyman, cause I'll go kill him. You know, that's, that's, that's the other side and your, your SAS and SBS are no difference. Your Royal Marines, you know, uh, they're wired to go crush threats. And, uh, that's, that's the other side of it. A lot of people don't understand why that's, those are both inherent and in a warrior. Well, if you, if you don't love something, then what are you fighting to protect? What, what ferocity are you going to fight with if you don't really love something that you mean to safeguard, right? So I think the fiercest, baddest, scariest, most deadly warrior anywhere is the one that loves something behind him that he's protected the most. That's the, that's the dangerous one. Cause he's going to kill all of you. He's going to make sure you don't get to his precious cargo. Right. 
And um, but then you have to also be one that's not a really um, dictated by fear or live a life based on on fear response. I'm not wired that way. So that's empowering because I, if I see a threat, I'm, I'm wired to just go crush it because that's that's what makes the world a better place is stopping evil. Right now, I don't know so much of what it's like in the UK other than what I catch on the news and from some of my friends, but here in the US, we have a severe lack of enforcement of our laws and rules, and it's lawless, and it's destructive, and good people are being harmed, and there's nothing happen, happening to the predators and the bad people, so uh, predation and, and violence and, and dysfunction are just thriving and overwhelming us, and it's tragic, and it's a failure uh, of leadership. They've defunded our police, they've demoralized our populace, and they've emboldened the thugs and the predators. Now, I happen to know a lot from my time in the intelligence community that it's by design and it's intentional, but I don't want to get off track into another aspect of the current state of affairs. But as far as the, the, the child trafficking, it's just a matter of wanting to protect the innocent and being willing to address the, the predators and the threat. See, what I'd say then in, in the UK, it's almost like the, the people that, that make the laws and the rules, although they're not even doing anything by that now, they're just completely whitewashing it, are the predators and are the law, the ones breaking the laws, they're creating the laws, they're breaking the laws, and, and it was incomplete, it's mayhem over here, and I'm sure it's the same over there as well, absolute mayhem over here, oh, by design, as you say. When you were looking into, just before we go move on there, because I want to talk about that stuff, um, when you were looking into these child trafficking the one you said, the one of the sort of the early things you said, you were you were kind of like surprised by the diversity of the people involved. With it we've got these Jeffrey Epstein types that are running high level, round the world, intelligence agencies, and then you've got your your person next door who might be a predator. Then you've got the sort of things you were dealing with in your films. This is so pervasive, isn't it? It really is, and you can't judge a book by its cover in this case. And I think it's an eye-opener for a lot of people that may not realize that we humans are spiritual beings. There is such thing as good, and there is such a thing as evil. And there's an energy that drives both of those uh, things. And good comes from somewhere. Good has a source. And evil has a source. And evil can find its way into the heart of any man or woman. And I think that's the real lesson that I'm learning, and I hope that other people learn, is that, like you said, we've got the, the elites, the, the Epsteins and the Maxwells that, that cater to the global elite, but we've also got the gutter trash. We've got the gutter pedophiles that are local um, drug addicts and gangbangers selling children out of cracked out motel rooms that are derelict and abandoned. So it's every spectrum. You know, for us, we've got the, the powerful Mexican drug cartels that uh, they're run multi-billion dollar businesses selling narcotics across the border and the humans, you know, now they're trafficking children. We've got um, in Hollywood, uh, Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein and many more like him that, that are still operating that, uh, man, if anybody's got a child or even an attractive adult in the film and television industry, they're expected to provide sexual favors to the executives to get access 
and you're not going to be a, a made star. You're not going to be making the multi-millions in these major blockbuster films without having sex with a lot of skanky and rancid people and selling your soul and even carrying a, a spiritual agenda and, and dancing and like in the, in the case of a lot of pop singers, you know, now they're, it's gotten more and more overt dancing in front of like um, statues of Moloch and Baal yeah. and satanic um, imagery and messaging and, and all of this. It's just very, very dark, but, but the same people that are, doing what you described to the UK or, or doing it to the United States. It's a globalization. It's a global Marxist regime of the, the biggest, most wealthy global bankers. They, they move about 500 trillion around the globe and they mean to, they've got most of the power, but they want all of the power. And uh, there is no strong and independent United States in their, their plans. So they need to break down the United States, and that means breaking down the morality, and demoralize and destabilize the United States, and, and there's force migrating countless hundreds of thousands, even millions of, of migrants uh, who don't share our culture, and uh, they want them to vote. Why? Because they know they'll vote for communist-style policies and that'll that'll give the global elite the, the chance to overthrow the freedom and liberties that we have here. I've seen they did that to the UK as well and other European countries. They forced mass Islamic uh, migration and you know I've seen the squalor and the homelessness and the, the drug addiction and the rape gangs in some of the, the Scandinavian countries and and uh, a lot of that. It's just it's it's by design and it's it's intentional. It's it's tragic and it's unfortunate, but those are the times we live in, and we do have to find a way in each country uh, to to resist that and push back in whatever ways that we can. We need to be really intelligent about that. So what you're you're describing there is basically is order out of chaos. They want to obviously destroy destroy everything and build it back in the image that they want. Um, something that you you kind of. Um... I wanted to talk to you about. We've got so much I want to talk to you about. We haven't got much time. It's the QAnon thing. I, I know you were, you're you're um, a Trump supporter, or you were behind Trump. And as a lot of what Trump did, I actually tend. I think he done a lot of good. And I think even when I look back now, compared to what's there now, I actually think he was trying in a system that was completely corrupt a few things yeah. I didn't agree with, but I actually think he was actually trying to do something. And maybe he was a bit naive going in, thinking he could make a big difference when he. He couldn't. He wouldn't have been allowed in in the first place. Um, but what did you think of the whole QAnon thing? We were, I was watching your video about mind control. To me, that was kind of almost like a psyop to to blow all of these, put muddy the waters and, and create complete chaos. And he did never really kind of never really acknowledged it other than one time. What was your take on what the whole QAnon thing was? Um, to someone like you with your your background and your understanding of how these things work. Yeah. Well, from my professional background. I could tell you that my first instinct of the QAnon, I, I initially, gave, initially gave a look at it, and what I saw was an entity that could not be vetted. And that was the first red flag for me. And so I just kept a neutral position on it. I thought, well, if there's useful information put out by this entity, then over time, if it's accurate over time, it can be a useful source of information 
And my God, people need information. They need accurate information. And so that could be a good thing. So I just took a neutral approach. I never found any um, fascination by it. And I had no interest, quite frankly, in it. But uh, people asked me a lot about it because they got very fascinated. And what do you think about it? What do you think about it? And uh, they, you know, they developed their own language. A Q drop, the next Q drop, and and it's this kind of um, obsession with it that I found very unhealthy. And and I just cautioned people. I said, you cannot risk anything over information from a source that you cannot vet. And what I mean by vet the source is research and look at the the life of the human being who is giving you this information. How have they lived their lives? What actions have they taken? That will tell you what their what their values really are, what it is that, that they mean uh, to prevail. And they will work toward that, that eventuality. And that's your strongest indicator. Actions speak louder than words. Anyone can get behind a fake profile online and say whatever they want. But it's a lifetime of action that can we can be judged by. I could look at your life if I researched you, talk to all your friends and family, and um, and dug deep. I could find out for better or worse whatever it is that that you are. And you could do the same to me, and make a judgment based on that lifetime of behavior. And I caution people: you can't do that with a letter of the alphabet on the internet because you don't know if it's run by the Chinese, the Russians, ISIS, Al Qaeda. Your a political party, you don't have any idea who it is because they could say whatever they want. You literally can't even tell what, what country they're loyal to, loyal to. And then there was the encoding. And I'm like, oh, okay, the encoding's about 10 red flags because first of all, if you're, if you're sharing the information to the people because the mainstream news media won't do it, you're not going to encode it because you need to just tell them. If it's that bad, if, if the information is that bad, you need to just tell the people that are oppressed and suppressed what the truth is. So encoding is is done when people want to entertain someone and occupy them, right? Tie them up, occupy them, trying to encode. And it's also a cover for, for erroneous information. If you don't know how to interpret it, then how can you determine whether or not it's factual or, or yeah. false? So the encoding was what was like, okay, once I saw that they were encoding their their messages, I thought, what's, what's the point? That's, then it, to me, it just seemed like it was entertainment. So what I always told the people was, look, here's my concern with an entity like Q. If it's a, a, a type of Trojan horse, it could be very dangerous if it tells you it's going to be biblical. Uh, the storm is coming. It's all going to be handled by someone else, right? Someone else will do it. And what would that do? If that causes people to sit back mm. and be content and complacent, realizing uh, or thinking, falsely believing that someone else is going to come in before the election and save the day, I, I told him what would be the outcome if the storm never came and no one ever came to save the day and you were lulled into complacency and inaction and the election came and went and here you are enslaved and now your vote 
will never count because they've already stolen the last election and now they've got even more power and you have no chance to recover. It's checkmate. You've been psyched and you've been sucked into it. And who are you going to hold to, to account? Are you going to go find Q? What's Q? Was, did Q change hands every single day or every month? Was it a million people or is it one person? You don't know. And all they got to do is walk away from the computer. You're not going to go hold them to account for your nation's enslavement. So that was my caution. So I told them, I'm not for or against Q. Make note maybe of what they say. If they claim to have a lot of insider information, maybe make note of it and just file it away to the side and see if it actually plays out that way. But you can't risk anything on it because you can't bet the source. So that's my whole thing about Q. So I want to circle back there. So what you mentioned there, it was kind of like a distraction as a hold there, stay there. There's a little bit of a cult element. Not just to that, there's a cult element to everything that's going on in the world. But the you, the whole stay there, wait it out, don't do nothing. That feels almost like when this Jeffrey Epstein child trafficking thing exploded and the Weinstein thing was like the first bomb went off. The Epstein thing went off and you've got Prince um, Andrew there involved. We know we had Jimmy Savile with the royal family in the UK for years and that's 15 years ago. People were talking about that. There was something there and it almost seemed like COVID came in. I'm not saying COVID doesn't exist, but COVID came in and then there was suddenly the QAnon thing come in. Distraction, distraction, distraction. And no one's really talking about Ghislaine Maxwell and Epstein anymore as much. Do you feel there was an element of look over here, distraction? Because it seemed to be if anything that brings down this pyramid of control, it would be child abuse, I'd hope. Yeah, well, there's no shortage of, of deceit and sleight of hand by the global elite. And that's their that's straight out of their playbook. And I would rather have the populace a bit paranoid and maybe uh, leaning to forward toward the conspiracy theorist theorist side in analyzing everything and questioning everything rather than sitting back going, oh, someone else is going to solve it for me. What's going wrong is not really going wrong. And somehow it'll just miraculously be OK. I'll go. I'll get on the train. I'll get on the cattle car, I'll put on my Star of David, I'll walk into the camp, I'll walk into the chamber, it's only a shower, I'll believe what they tell me, I will put up no resistance. I would rather have people paying attention and networking and analyzing and questioning things rather than just going along with what we seem to be an increasingly hostile big government that's that's eating up the, the globe. So. Uh, whether or not COVID was a specific uh, distraction from from child trafficking, I don't know, but I do know that it was in the works as at least by 2002. So before 2002, they knew that they were going to issue out this COVID weapon and utilize it to gain more power through the vaccines and the vaccine passports and those types of things that. Christians are concerned about because it's described as being used like the mark of the beast in the Bible, that you would need it in order to buy food and services and, and sustenance, right? You would need it in order basically to survive. And we have a lot of concern about those things for that. So we're, we're opposed to those vaccine passports and, and all of those mechanisms of tyrannical control. And we should be concerned about it. And uh, especially when you look at the stats 
of COVID. You look at the, the actual health stats of it and you realize that the, the scientific, factual, medical statistics do not justify the actions that they've taken surrounding COVID. They just, the science doesn't back their actions and that, uh, that should concern all of us. And they're, they're abusing it to gain more power, which puts we the people in a less empowered position. They're slowly enslaving in us, us, and I would say that it's not slow anymore. It's, uh, it's at warp speed. It's it, daily, daily attacks. It really is. How have you over the last 13 months as a family and as a, as a, as a dad coped in the last year? It's been absolutely madness here. And I'm someone who's done this research for 15 years, so it's been a bit different to me. I can see what's coming and, and what's going on. I'm not saying I know it all, but I, I mean, it's pretty easy to do down the checklist, especially a thing called Biderman's chart of coercion. If you, if guys, if you ever look at that, you'll see the checklist that they've worked themselves down. Um, but how has it been for you as a person, as a man, as a dad this last year, just seeing what's going on and maybe knowing how these kind of operations work? How has it been for yourself? Well, my passion right now is running this organization and this mission. And we've spent the last year getting our documentary to market and then trying to capitalize on that exposure and build an increasing mission. And it's been frustrating because so many things have been locked down and shut down because of the COVID. And traveling is an absolute pain because you've got to have the mask on the entire time you're traveling. The United States is a pretty big country, so it can be an eight-hour travel day if you're just going from one state to the next. And a lot of times, you know, um, you're going from one airport to a second airport before you can go to a third airport just because of refueling stops and how they book the flights. And it's long and it's tedious and you're hanging out in airports for an hour and a half or so before each flight and you expected to have this mask on the whole time. Otherwise, I never wear a mask. I only wear one when I absolutely have to. And so our son has missed his, you know, we have a, a senior prom a dance um, in high school and, uh, you know, uh, homecoming football game is a big deal here, you know, the American football. And, um, you know, those are big life moments that we all relate to each other about and we all uh, treasure those times. They're some of the best times in our lives. And, uh, you know, he's missed all that because this has been his senior year. And um, uh, so it's, it's, it, it's been Worse for us than some families in some ways and better in some ways in that I've worked from home and I haven't needed a mask. And uh, so uh, it's awkward and it's strange. It's, it's depressing to see our nation all beat down and demoralized and fearful and, and turn on the news. I've turned off the news yeah. for weeks at a time for the first time in my adult lifetime just because I... I don't want to hear this fear mongering, fear, 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 fear. I realize that's a psychological technique and that it's hostile and that uh, the all of our mainstream news media outlets are owned by uh, people who subscribe to a one world Marxist model and they don't like the United States. And so I realize they're all putting out this fear message that's that's harmful and hostile to we the people. And so that's been aggravating to see and to see so many people who buy it 
they just you could just see the fear on their faces and the people and they they just embrace this mass culture it's like to me it's like embracing uh the the jews in nazi germany if they would have embraced that star of david mm -hmm. culture they didn't embrace that then because they knew it was hostile and uh and it was increasingly getting worse for them over there but foolishly the american people have lived in such luxury and such opulence almost they've lived in such a, a sheltered environment they don't know history but you guys in the uk know history uh, much better than the americans do i hate that it embarrasses me to say that but i've played a trivial pursuit with a lot of you brits uh, overseas <laughs> in different places guys destroy us man <laughs> global history and all this kind of stuff that needs to change man knowledge is power we need to we need to do a lot better job of educating our youth, man. And we need to empower them against the same old game, this power play that's been played. Every time they've they've wheeled out communism, they've always first called it democratic socialism. But you can't go to college campuses around the U.S. now and ask any of the, the, the students if they know that because they don't. They think it's the first time ever that democratic socialism was some kind of going to create some kind of magical utopia, make everything fair and get rid of all hardship. And you have to kind of sit them down and go, can I buy your lunch? Let me just share with you something. You realize that, that this has happened in 25 countries around the globe in the last century, and it's resulted in the genocide of over 100 million civilians, people, families lined up and machine gunned down. Do you realize that that's happened under the banner of socialism, Marxism, communism? And they're like, what are you talking about? Where? And I have to show them. Look, man, it's history. It's happened. People live this. They're surviving victims. There's, this, is, this is horrific, man. And they're doing it to our country right now. And they just, they don't know. And that's, that's what's upsetting to me is the deceit. And the manipulation, how they've bought up all of our academia, they've bought up all of the mainstream news yeah. media, they've bought up all of the six major studios in Hollywood, and all the films and all the pop stars, songs and everything are encoded and, and written with this message to lull the people down into complacency to be easy subjects for this, this globalization, this Marxist movement. And child trafficking is a part of that, man. They're... They traffic children like this just another commodity. So how soulless do you have to be to harm a child when you were once a child? Mm -hmm. And you realize you didn't want to be tortured or raped or murdered or abused when you were a child. So how can you do it to someone else? There's a lot of sociopathic and even evil and these people that are doing this and uh, they don't want child trafficking and pedophilia exposed or combated and so I've got uh, an uphill battle uh, but it's one that I welcome it's an honor to fight for what's right and to defend the defenseless and rally others to rise up with me it's liberating man I feel I feel blessed you know I feel a, a gift from doing this like I like nothing else I've ever done. Is it right to go around the world killing terrorists? You're darn straight it's right. It's a good thing. It needs to happen. And that's a good thing. But this is what 
I just feel a sense of satisfaction carrying out this mission for the children. Like it's something personally, I believe God put this on my heart to, to do this as big as I could. That's my thing. I believe that's what's going on in my life. So it feels right for me. And so I just I do it. And yeah, there's a lot of vicious, bitter uh, smear campaign against me online. And uh, but it also is empowering to kind of investigate that and challenge those people to to come up with the goods that they're trying to uh, smear me with and then see that they can. Mm. And um, so, yeah, it's 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 a battle. It's a battle. But, uh, you know, the greatest reward are from the battles that are hardest fought. You know, you just trounce somebody on day one and they don't even fight back. You know, if you have a soccer match and the other team's terrible and you smoke them 50 to nothing you know that's not you know you're not gonna there's not gonna be a lot of pints of guinness hoisted that night you know as much as it would have been if it was some kind of world championship and the other team was really good and they put up a hard fight and once you finally gain that victory then the boys can be like yeah you know really that was that was we, we prevail you know so do you feel like that now? Do you feel like that this is the time? Like there, it seems like there's a real desperation there. So putting this film out right now, um, it came out a while ago, but putting the film out and you say that the, the oppression and social media censorship, trying to get a mainstream channel to even cover in it, talking to you. I mean, they own everything. So you're you're kind of like chose the side of 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 like like the little guy really to push back. And um, do you feel like now is the time? Because it real feels like crunch time now for humanity, in a sense, and not just the child trafficking, but that's your your place in the fight. Do you feel like how hard has it been to get Contraland out, get people seeing it, and also all of this kickback from it? What was the reactions and all all of this coming at you at the same time? Do you feel like it's now is the fight, your life, your life's fight? I really, I really do, and I realize a lot of wealthy businessmen would look at what I'm doing. As, as foolish, you know, you've kind of put yourself, Craig, in the position of the little guy. But but David in the Bible was a little guy. <laughs> he went up against Goliath, but he was in the right. He was defending his homeland, and he prevailed. And I've got that kind of fight in me. And I think I have the same sort of horsepower behind me, ultimately. Yeah. And it's not because I'm worthy. It's just because I'm obedient and I'm doing what's right, trying to do, follow the guidance to do what's right. So it, it, it does feel like it's the right time. I, I have had a lot of opportunities in my life. I've built a lot of businesses and business opportunities with different people who were very wealthy and powerful and successful, who have created a lot of things with me and for me that were going to take care of my family and make me quite wealthy. And each time inexplicably, almost cosmically, these things would just dematerialize, just disintegrate, just vaporize on game day. Like, I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened? So this long-time company, partners had split, and the company goes under, or just things that were beyond my control would just happen right before the money was supposed to come. And we'd spent months or years building this, and I was very pained by it and frustrated. Like, God, why have you allowed me to suffer this, you know, setback and go back to the starting line yet again? Why, why, why? And now I'm ashamed of asking those questions and having that, that doubt because 
the people closest to me who know all the stepping stones of my life's journey are looking at me and smiling. They're so proud. They're happy. They're like, my God, Craig, look at your life. You were born for this. You were born for this, man. This was given to you. You were prepared. Look at all the kicks to the groin you went through that prepared you in all the different ways for what you're doing now. Your enemy is afraid of you, dude, because you've been so abused and beat down. You don't care about money anymore. You don't care about death or threats anymore. You are a problem to them. You are, you've been blessed by all of that training and preparation that your life has been. Your life has been a 57-year training course to prepare you for this. I'm like, my God, I see it. I see it. You know, if I if I were going to set someone up to go attack this, I would, I would put them on the journey that I've been through. You know, so now I can be thankful for the abuse. I mean, look, SEAL team training is abusive, but it's it's scientifically abusive, right? You know, the SAS selection is hard uh, there in the UK. Why? Well, because the mission's hard, and you need hard blokes, right, to kick doors and make good things happen in, in adverse conditions. I know some of you guys, by the way, uh, good guys, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's there's there's a design for the training and the 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 hardship. It's a hardening process. It's a preparation, and it's empowering the operator to go through those tough uh, conditioning programs and to challenge himself and train himself. Yeah, he's cold. Yeah, he's wet. Yeah, he's tired. And yet people are hostile, shouting at it, but it's, it's a hardening and preparation process. And my life has been an endless stream of that. So only now can I really look back with appreciation and uh, realize I've, I've been given the, the blessing of the world's best preparation journey huh, for this mission. And, um, and we're safeguarding already a lot of children. Every predator that we put away, um, that's an average of 70 children who won't be raped, murdered, tortured, and harmed. And we've put away 23 predators so far. So 23 times 70, I think that's like 1160 or 1060. So that's, um, that's a good start. Yeah. Not to mention alerting the populace, which is far I can't even calculate what that means, putting out contralands of 90 million households and and putting it for free up on contralandmovie.com and the social media campaigns and billboards across the country and, and NASCAR placement and just every way that we can, um, going to public events and handing out flyers and patches and word of mouth. We're fighting for the children for all we're worth, and it's an honor to do it. So... You know, life, uh, when I was a little boy, I wanted to be a warrior, but I didn't. This, what I'm doing right now, wasn't the type of warrior that I envisioned. I had no way to to imagine what this is like, you know. Um, make warrior with a keyboard and a video camera. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I do still carry weapons and, and wear the, the, the armor and, and so forth. Sometimes it, part of it's tactical, but so much of it really is moral courage. And I want to... 
I want that message to resonate to all your viewers. We each have the ability to change this world, and it's our moral courage that allows that's going to make that difference. We have to stand up and fight back, folks. If you watch Contraland, if you see little, little Doctor Judith Reisman, that woman may be five foot tall. She's tiny in physical stature, but she's a huge warrior and champion for children because she has stood up and fought against sadomasochistic pedophile Alfred Kinsey's mm. falsified studies for over 50 years. And his, his falsified studies that made it sound normal to rape children have caused a cascading avalanche of destruction and harm in the United States like nothing else. And boy, the radical left attacked her. That woman has been smeared and slandered and character assassinated her whole life for standing up for the children, but God bless her, she is a champion. She's a hero. And every one of us has the ability to make that decision to stand up for what's right and fight back in our own way. Fight for better laws, fight for better education against it, and uh, expose evil. Sunlight's the best antiseptic for anything evil. So shine the light, folks. Your moral courage is something no one can take from you and be empowered and know that. I'm nothing special, I'm just a busted up veteran, uh, but I've made the decision to fight in whatever way that I could, and you can too, genuinely. That's that's how it is, that's reality. That's wonderful. Um, I know the very last question I wanna ask you before we go into giving out, out where people can find the film, I know faith is incredibly important to you. Um, whether you're religious or not, that means nothing. Faith is faith. I know your faith is, is, is really important to you. As we said before, that you feel like you've come to the dance. This is, this is the fight for you. That faith, when you've, you chose to take on this, this fight and we've found um, for vets for child rescue, did you feel like the, the universe got behind you and things started to come together? That energy got behind you. You talked about energy at the start of this podcast. The faith, is that the same thing as that energy and things started to click into place for you? It is, and I, and I think that... that... I, I was a, I feel like, again, I want to be careful that it doesn't sound like I feel like I'm special. I'm not. I know that I'm not. But I think, for whatever reason, I was chosen to do this. Maybe, like, God looked down and said, okay, he's too dumb to be scared. I can use him. <laughs> right? Or he, he's got nothing else going on. I'll, I'll use him. But for whatever reason, I feel like this was fell on my heart so hard. I felt so motivated and because my dad was a spiritual leader. And the area that I learned uh, of, of South Texas, just north of Houston, had become this epicenter for this type of predation on the children. I felt like it was an evil attack. And, and here's something that, that paints the picture as to why. There's a friend of mine from the intelligence agency that let me know that that area had gotten so bad at that. But it was investigators who had been part of raids and recoveries who were explaining to me, Craig, this is like no other crime spree we've ever seen. And a badge and gun is really no use in this fight. If you think you're going to solve this with belt-fed machine guns and rockets, you're missing the point. You're going to waste the rest of your life. This is spiritual. And what they meant was there's different layers to child trafficking. One is the financial, 38 to $50 billion a year 
just in the United States. Another was political leverage, filming each other like Epstein and, and Maxwell filming each other in their mansions and their islands and, and resorts and all this kind of stuff. All the political figures being filmed doing God knows what with hookers and blow and children. Okay, there's another layer of power. And then there's the sexual perversion of the idiots that their, their minds are broken and they're attracted to a little child that's got no sexual uh, features or scientific methods of, of attracting a full-grown adult for healthy offspring like a, like a beautiful full-grown woman would. Uh, so there's that sexual weirdo perversion, but at the bottom of it, the rancid, most inner rancid core of this onion, after you pull back all the uh, layers, is the blackest, the darkest, most pathetic part of all of it, and that is the people who are into a religious cult. It's a, it's a satanic, demonic cult, and they worship ancient gods like Moloch and Baal, but, but biblically, it's all just different names for Satan. I think there's only one evil that's Satan and one good this is God and they're at war and what they're at war over apparently is the, they're using the children because the children are God's most precious and innocent they're new little lives they haven't done anything wrong to anybody and they haven't had a chance to and their minds are still pure and they haven't been in this world for very long well those are the ones that the evildoers believe that they're supposed to defile, ruin that innocence, ruin that life's trajectory, whatever life that they were going to live and decisions they were going to choose, wreck that by shattering their minds, traumatize them so their minds don't even work right anymore, destroy that little life uh, for, for Satan, essentially, as an up yours to, to God from Satan. That's the game that they're playing the sick and evil game. So when I learned that, that that's what's going on and that it was going to take a righteous warrior following the guidance of the Creator, Jesus Christ, to safeguard the children, otherwise you weren't going to be effective at it, I'm like, okay, I have to have the, the courage to learn to fight in a new way. In the SEAL teams, there's a lot of different ways to fight. You know, we, uh, I'm a sniper. Well, I wasn't always a sniper. You know, I had to go to that school and learn to make maximum effective use of a long-range weapon and all the stalking and all that comes with that. Well, I'd never been an underwater warrior before. Well, I went to Buds. They taught us how to you know, dive on closed-circuit rigs that give off no bubbles and the stealth and how to navigate underwater and all of the things that allow us to make war beneath the sea, right? So there's different ways of being a warrior. Well, I had to learn how to become essentially a spiritual warrior and to affect the culture. And so a lot of people don't have the courage to try something new or learn something new or to develop themselves in a different way. But I've had my comfort zone shattered so many times over the years, going from the Marine Corps to SEAL team and different, being forced to learn different types of skills, hand-to-hand -hand skills and you know pistol skills and skydiving and there's a lot of different things that, that people may not be comfortable at, but eventually you're going to get good at it. And I've gotten good at hundreds of things over the years. So my muscle memory of learning something new is I'm pretty open to it. Even if it's uncomfortable, it's normal to be uncomfortable in learning something new. So I'm like, God, I'm willing to learn to be a spiritual warrior for these kids because I'm not okay with the way that things are. 
with what I'm hearing is being done to little children, I'm not okay with. And that's another thing, uh, not to get into it, but what's being done. Imagine a child being tortured to death and being systematically and intentionally terrorized specifically to shatter their mind, to split them into schizophrenia. It's part of the MK Ultra yeah. um, mind control program. They've learned this all the way back from Nazi Germany. The Nazis figured it out in the 30s, studied a lot on the Jewish prisoners. But they mean to torment and terrorize and scare a little child so horrifically that their, that their minds break in, in desperation to try to escape a physical situation that they, they don't have the power to escape from. Imagine the tragedy of it and what they do. And I'm learning what they do and I'm hearing stories from the victims and the witnesses and it's just darker and uglier than anything I'd ever experienced before. And uh, I, who am I if I can't fight for the little ones? And if I really want to make a difference, I have to learn how to fight in this fight. And it's not what I'm used to. My gun's no use in a lot of ways in this. So I have to fight in a new way, and it's spiritual. And we have to expose it. And we have to change a lot of things uh, to, to cause a real change and, and, and real healing from this on a national scale and, and even a global scale. So... Brother, that's what I'm doing, man, and it's um, it's a it's a huge experience. I'm growing more now at 57 years old than I ever did in my entire life as a human being. You know, it's like a room in your house. Let's say you've got a house and it's it's got a dozen rooms in it, and they've all been built out. One's a baby room, one's a theater, and One's a family room. One's a dining room. You've got a couple bedrooms. There's one room in your house you've never built it out. It's just kind of empty. You've never done much with it. Well, what if when you're 57, you start, you know what? I'm going to take some time and I'll build this room out. And you, what if that room ends up being the most beautiful room? Like You're like, oh, my God, what I learned to do with this after learning, you know, doing all the other rooms is better. And, man, the view... Now, this window, I'm going to knock this window and make it big. The view from this window is, is fantastic, and I'm inspired from this room to write my first book and to create. And maybe I'm going to learn an instrument and create music and write songs and sell it and share it with other people. Oh, my God, I'm growing. From, this room is the most amazing room of my entire house, and I've never even worked on it until now. So my spiritual room, if you will. It's kind of the last room of my life that I've built out. And I'm building it right now. Not all the way done yet. Growing. But it's a fantastic experience. It really is. It's, uh, I, I invite everybody to do it. Everybody. And you, you, will, you will not be disappointed, man. We all can grow in a lot of ways. And it's good. It's good, man. It's great, Ben. I know you're busy, so I want to hold you to up too much, Greg. We're, this is incredible. It's very, very powerful. Absolutely wonderful to chat to you, and I'd love to do this again. And obviously, anything we can do, anything I can do to help get you back on the show, have your film on Iconic, if you're going to do a second film, anything we can do to help and be part of building that room, building all of our rooms, because we really do have an opportunity, and the Warriors 
come in all different shapes and sizes. I feel like I'm a warrior helping you as a warrior. And this is a thing that we can all, and everyone listening to this will be a warrior in their own right. Um, it's a mindset. And I do believe that we've been put here for a reason to help each other. And we all need help. So if you need anything from us, just let us know. Craig, where can people find you? Come join you on your YouTube pages. And please, guys, go over and do join Craig on his YouTube pages and share his videos across social media. Because this is, if anything you we can do, if we can't help kids and the next generation come up, if we can't protect the children and this world that's coming up fast, and we can't push this evil off for the kids, then what are we doing here? Because we're only going to be, I'm 40 now, I'm probably going to be another 30 years, 40 years possibly. I've got a little boy who's eight months old. I do this because when he's 20 years old, this world is going down the shithole right now, and I don't want it to. So this is what we do it for as the kids. Of course we do. Yeah. And um, please go over and share Craig's videos. Join him, subscribe, and leave him some comments and show him some love. Craig, where people can find your can they find your work? Well, the organization is vetsforchildrescue.org, and we use the number four for that. So vetsforchildrescue.org, and Contraland can be watched anytime for free at contralandmovie.com. And then the rest of my stuff you could probably find in just by uh, typing in my, my name, Craig Sawyer, on YouTube. And uh, I got a new one called Straight Truth Channel on YouTube uh, uh, just for a little bit different aspect of it, just to uh, address falsehood out there and bring clarity against things that people that are trying to change the narrative and bring deceit. So uh, I've got a Craig Sawman Sawyer Facebook page, and we've got a Vets for Child Rescue Facebook page and we pretty much veterans for child rescue and Craig Sawman Sawyer can be found on most social media platforms. Perfect. And I'll put all these links. I'll give all the links. I'll put them all below. So guys, it'll be so easy. Just go below, click through, subscribe and um, show Craig some love. Thank you, Craig. I really appreciate your, t your time. I know you're busy and anything we can do, as I said, please do um, let us know. So you're watching this on I itunes um spotify youtube BitShoot. please share this around and thank you for listening take care bye bye i'm unapologetically fly i don't wonder why that's just my attitude yeah okay hey, that's just my uh, 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 come on yeah yeah uh.